This is the Thorn Podcast, Performance Edition, the show that navigates the complex world of sports science and explores the latest research in diet, nutritional supplements, and the human body. I'm Joel Totoro, Director of Sports Science at Thorn. As a reminder, statements in this podcast have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Any products mentioned are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Thorn Podcast Performance Edition. Joining me today is Kaisa Cranon, a movement coach and co-founder of Just Move, a movement and wellness membership community. After a career as a student athlete at the University of Washington, earning a master's degree in exercise science, Kaisa has grown a huge social media following and has been featured all over mainstream media, including being asked by Michelle Obama to participate in the Let's Move digital campaign. Kaisa, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Well, that's quite the intro. I was not expecting that. Thank you, Joel. I'm so excited to be here. Hey, you've done it all. So uh, we're happy to have you on. I'm really excited to have you. Uh, you're one of my favorite people in the wellness industry. You're so honest and uh, just real genuine about the message you bring. Can you talk a little bit about your journey to, you know, from a student athlete to where you are today and kind of where Thorne showed up in that process? Yeah. Well, okay. I actually, if we're going to talk about my journey, we have to go all the way back because my journey to becoming a movement coach and really my passion behind what I do started at a very early age. So I've always been a mover. Like my mom had me in every sport possible just because I've had a a lot of energy and I think I was a little bit too much for her. And so she put me everywhere. I didn't pick a sport until basically high school. Um, So soccer was my passion. I loved it. And my story takes kind of a turn because I really dove into sports as a way to deal with my depression. High school, especially freshman and sophomore year, was a really, really difficult time for me. And it was a time in my life where I realized the only thing that brings me a little bit of joy is movement. And movement at the time for me was being on the soccer team um, and eventually the track team. So that's where my love of movement came from. That's also where my really deep uh, appreciation for my body and what my body does for me on a daily basis. And then also out on the soccer field and, and on the track, that's where that kind of all developed. I went to the University of Washington and I was on the track and field team. And my career as a trainer started in college really because I was completely broken. Like I had never had an injury. I had maybe like one little tweak, but I'd never really been injured before college. And I walked into college and I was so excited to be at UW and to be on the the track team and to be at a division one school. And literally, I think my first week I started experiencing injuries and it was injury after injury after injury for me. Um, And eventually it kind of led to the fact that I never really had much of a career there, but it also led me into really wanting to learn about my body. I had been coached my whole life and I had been coached by males for the majority of my life. And I just felt like maybe there's something missing here. Maybe I need to understand about my body. I need to understand how to train her. And so I went and I got certified to become a trainer for myself, not for anyone else, because at the same point in time, I was actually considering going back to school to be a social worker. So given my past in dealing with depression, I really wanted to kind of dive into that and figure out how the overarching goal was like, how can I help other people deal with their dark days? And that's kind of the thought process behind going back and becoming a social worker. But at the same exact time, I was like, I can't be injured. I'm 21, 22. I can't be injured for the rest of my life. Like movement is such 
a big component of who I am and how I take care of myself, there's no way that I can just walk about the rest of my life being injured. So the two of those things kind of went hand in hand for a little while. And coincidentally, the summer that I was trying to decide whether or not I was going to go back and get my master's in sociology, I was also nannying for a friend and shout out to Leslie. She all summer long was like, Kaisa, can you come train me and a group of my friends? Like, come on, come on, come on. And I was like, Leslie, I'm not, I'm a trainer to only train myself. Like I have no interest in training others. I didn't even like that never crossed my mind. Finally, at the end of the summer, I was like, all right, okay, I will train you. I'm going to do this one session. I remember it. Like, I don't have the best memory, but I remember this day like it was yesterday. We were out at a park. There were about five, eight women out there. And I started training them in a boot camp style. And probably five minutes into the training session, I fell so in love with coaching. And I think for me, because at that moment, what, what I realized was the love that I have for movement and the love that I have of trying to help others, especially through, you know, struggling things that are not easy, which is movement for a lot of people kind of collided. And that's why I made the decision to change my career and become a trainer. The rest is not history though, Joel. It's been a long windy road to get here, but that's kind of where it all started. <clears throat> yeah, I think <clears throat> I think we talk a lot and and you have been such a, a huge uh, impact with your Kaisa Fit social media. Um, and we talk a lot on this podcast about the impact of social media on health and wellness, both positively and negatively. And thank you so much for being part of the positive, right? But can you talk a little bit about kind of <clears throat> who Kaisa Fit is on, on social media, but then when does Kaisa Fit end and just Kaisa, the rest of you happen? Oh, this is the hardest question. Okay, there's so many answers to this question because Kaisa Fit is a very real part of me. And I often say that she is the part of me that I want to become. Like she leads the way. I think she's the better side of me. In a lot of sense, she's also kind of my alter ego. Um, but Kaisa Fit was developed because I realized really quickly. So when I became a trainer, I am 36 years old. And when I was a trainer about, you know, 15 years ago, their social media wasn't really around. It was around, but we weren't using it in the same sense. The only place that fitness and movement had a platform was Jillian Michaels on The Biggest Loser. And so as a young trainer who was really adamant about not helping people change the way that they look, but like really passionate about helping people fall in love with their body and be really excited about all the amazing things their body could do. I saw what an opportunity it was to be on a platform, but I also was like, I don't want to be a coach on The Biggest Loser. So how is this going to happen? So that little nugget was in the back of my mind for years. And eventually when social media became more popular, Instagram, I saw it as a perfect opportunity to be able to share my message with the masses. And although my message is probably a lot more mainstream now, 15 years ago, it was not. My goal was to help people move without that carrot and that end goal of weight loss. I wanted to help people move because I wanted to give them an opportunity to be super grateful for their body, be super empowered in what they could do with their body and fall in love with their body in a way that made them want to continue to take care of their body. Um, and so that was my goal. And when social media came along, I was like, this is an opportunity to share my message with the masses. So that's kind of how I got my start on social. Never in a million years would you think that social turned into what it was today. I saw it as what I would have thought at the time was like one of the avenues that I was going to communicate with people. Um, but it gave me an opportunity to do my own thing and speak to people around the world in a way that I never 
even dreamed possible. Um, and so I really dove into social. I created the personality Kaisa fit because I knew that movement was a really scary thing for a lot of people. And I'm an intense mover. My, my, you know, my body looks intense. I do intense things. And so I wanted a personality that was really fun. Um, I always have a smile on my face, which I do a lot in real life. So that's, you know, totally a piece of me. I wanted to be out and about. I wanted to work out with the most random things to show people that you can move anywhere at any time. Like I'm, I think one of my most famous workouts is like with toilet paper or a cooking pot. Like that was really the goal on social media. And that's where Kaisa Fit was originally developed. Yeah, I think that's great. And uh, like I said, it is great to be, you kind of have that, <clears throat> you have that drive in you where you saw, hey, like somebody, somebody needs to be the voice of reason here. And you're like, oh, I guess that's me. Right. And you really have to step up. Right. And you have, that's awesome. I don't think I, uh, honestly though, Joel, I don't think I can give myself that credit. I don't think I saw, I don't think I was like, oh, someone has to be the voice of reason. I just was so naive and thinking like, okay, that's how, that's how the fitness industry does it over here. I'm just going to do this other thing that's different. Cause there must be a, a bunch of people that want to move because they're so excited about what their body could do. But really, honestly, there wasn't a lot at the time and there definitely wasn't in the fitness industry, but CrossFit hadn't come along at that point in time. And that's when CrossFit came, CrossFit was probably in existence, but CrossFit blew up a handful of years into my career. And that's what really started to kind of change the game of general pop people wanting to be like competitive and wanting to move because they wanted to achieve certain things with their body. And that's kind of where a big switch happened. Yeah. Got you. I'm going to, going to continue the, the hard hitting questions here. One of my yeah. favorite things. Yeah. One of my favorite things I've heard you say is I am more than my body. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the difference between like aesthetics, functionality, looking good, feeling good? Like there's a lot to it. And uh, I, I think you've got a pretty great outlook on all of that. So this is a really hard concept um, for people to wrap their heads around. And it, it because normally it sounds negative. When I say I'm more than my body, it kind of sounds like, oh, I don't like my body. But here, here's the deal. I think of my body as my best friend. So as wild as this might sound, I think of Kaisa, the human inside of me, you know, the things that I'm passionate about, the things that drive me. And then I think of Kaisa, my actual body. And for most of my life, those two things were not best friends. For most of my life, I had a very, very negative relationship with my body because in athletics, she let me down mentally on one side. I was super depressed on the other side. I never got to be the athlete I wanted to be. And I always had this kind of like really difficult relationship with my body. Um, but throughout that time, movement always brought me back to this place where I got to have these glimpses of being really grateful for my body. Because at the end of the day, I knew that that was the only reason um, that I was able to kind of work through my depression and and be here today, honestly. And so I've had this really um, difficult relationship with myself. And in college, I kind of came up with a saying of I am more than my body. Like as much as you know, people might view me, and especially women, our our first initial judgment that people have on us is like what we look like. I wanted to have a mantra that I didn't define myself that way. And so it was a reminder for me that I am so much more than what I look like, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, I didn't want to be defined by what I look like. And that started by me not defining myself by what I look like. And so that's really been my mantra. It's really something that I try to push out there because I think if so many more people understood that you are not what you look like, you are who you are um, to the world, who you are to your friends, to your family, um, you are what you're passionate about. Like you are so much more than what you look like. I think the world would be a very different place. 
Yeah, I think um, <clears throat> we talk a lot on this podcast, and, and listeners have heard me say it. You know, I've worked 20 years in human performance, and <clears throat> so much of the work I've done is on the human side, right? Like, if you're not taking care of that foundational part and understanding, like you said, there's a mental side to you. There's a, you know, there's a motivation side. There's a physical side. There's movement. So uh, I had a, a very early in my career, one of my mentors, when I was working clinically in the hospital, told me, Joel, you need to be the CEO of you, right? You don't need to be the expert on everything. And but you need to be able to identify where those where you need some help. And I think you've been really great about that. Like, hey, you didn't love the way you were being trained. OK, I'm going to be, you know, my chief uh, exercise officer. Right. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but I think it's it's really great the way you talk about, you know, movement is a part and it can positively, negatively. But it can it's a tool that you can control to impact those other areas of your life. So <clears throat> I really like the message that you've been, uh, you know, preaching for, for 15 years and, and more. Right. So um, thank you. Yeah. yeah. And also a piece of that, Joel, sorry, but a big piece of that is because so many times when I looked around, like movement with the end goal of changing the way that you looked meant that most people did not stick with movement. They didn't stick with taking care of themselves in that way because changing the way that you look is not a sustainable goal. And it's most often not a realistic goal. And so for me, I really wanted people to start to understand and get in tune with like, when you work out, how do you feel? Um, so many of my clients early on were middle-aged women. And when I started to be able to set up environments where they were able to do their first hundred pound deadlift or their first push-up or their first pull-up, like those were the things that I was constantly trying to reiterate to them. Like, how do you feel right now, Mary? Like, how does this feel? Um, and that, like how empowering it is to feel strong and confident in your body is actually a feeling that changes your world. And so for me, I knew that because I had gone through that at a very early age, but so many people had never gotten the experience of being able to feel badass in their body and then starting to be like, that's what I'm fucking proud of. And when I show up at the gym or I show up to move or I choose to eat, you know, my healthy meals or, you know, drink less alcohol, I'm doing it because I want to have that feeling again. And I want to do all these amazing things with my body. And that what ends up being their motivation. And that ends up being a sustainable motivation. And so for me, that's always been a huge piece of why I speak. And obviously you can tell I'm so passionate about where I'm coming from when like the end goal is not about weight loss and changing the way that you look. The end goal is changing the way that you feel. Yeah, I think that's a really important topic. Um, you know, I always talk about, I say performance is personal, right? Like it means as much to you hitting that deadlift goal or running that first 5K as it does to somebody trying to, you know, medal in the Olympics, right? So uh, it's it's okay to be serious and have goals for yourselves and, 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 and really take the joy in, in reaching those goals, right? Like too many times, and I know you and I, we talked before the podcast, we love being busy, right? So it's good to step back and be like, oh, yeah, I did that, right? Like like everything I'm doing, like it's for a reason and it's paying off. So I love that kind of vision and that that kind of way you frame everything there. Yeah. What you talked a little bit about this when you said, you know, you were coached by men and you're like, maybe that's not it. There's a leading voice in, in sports nutrition who always says women are not just little men, right? For too long, a lot of the recommendations and even like our everything from like micronutrients and, and calorie needs are were traditionally extrapolated from, you know, research done in you know, Eastern Europe or Western Europe and, and America in like the 50s and 60s on, you know, white men. And uh, you can't just be like, oh, OK, we'll just cut that in half. Right. Can you talk a little bit about um, your experience, both, you know, kind of on the as a student athlete and, and kind of like you said, what you didn't know into informing yourself and, and being the coach? 
some of the specific differences um, around being a female performer? Yeah, Woo. this is this could take us all day. So I would say one of the biggest things that I started to understand was the expectation on my body was completely unrealistic. And because I didn't know any better, I didn't know when to say no. I didn't know when to say enough was enough. So I, um, in college, I was a heptathlete, which means I did a lot of training on the field. And then I did a lot of training in the weight room. And I'm a quick, like the way that my body works, like I pick up things quick. So I picked up strength training really quick. And that was something that was really exciting for the strength coaches, but they're not communicating with the on the field coaches that I just did five hours of practice. I had seven events to train for. So I'm doing five hours of practice. I'm a freshman in college. I'm already stressed out by like this new life that I'm living now in the weight room. Like I love it. I love strength training. My coat, my strength coach loves it, but I'm doing like an hour and a half, two hours of strength training. And none of it was none of it was working for my body, but I didn't have the confidence or the knowledge to say like, this isn't working. Like I've, we've got to do something different. Um, and so for me, that was where kind of ultimately, I think what I felt was that I was really letting my body down. Like I was so disappointed that she wasn't showing up for me and that she kept breaking and that she wasn't as good of an athlete as I knew that she could be. But ultimately I knew I wasn't actually taking care of her. And I know it sounds weird. I speak of her as a she, but if we go back to I'm more than my body, like she is my best friend. So I speak about her in that way. But that's where I started to kind of have the conversation with myself of, I want to figure this all out rather than saying that my health, you know, or my potential is going to be in other people's hands. I want it to be in my own hands. Um, and so that was kind of the start and the spark of getting my cert and becoming a trainer. Yeah, I love that. Um, we're going to take a quick break here, but uh, after we come back, we'll have, we've got some questions for you from the, uh, from the audience and I uh, just can't wait to continue the conversation. Awesome. Tired of bloating, gas, and other digestive discomfort? Help keep your gut happy and healthy with premium probiotics, digestive enzymes, and other innovative solutions by Thorne to support optimal gut health. One example is Thorne's Floramin Prime Probiotic. This shelf-stable and stomach-acid-resistant probiotic blend offers everyday GI and weight management support. To take control of the health of your gut, visit Thorne.com to explore probiotics, digestive enzymes, and other ways to support a happy and healthy gut. That's T-H-O-R-N-E dot com. All right, and we're back. All right, Kaisa, let's get into some questions from our audience. This one I'm sure you've answered a thousand times. Uh, it's, I haven't trained in years. Where do I start? And or I'm untrained. Where do I start? Yeah. Okay. So first of all, you are my favorite human to have this conversation with someone that has not moved before or doesn't know where to begin. The number one thing I say is just make a commitment to yourself to start today. And that might mean one minute. That might mean five minutes. That can also mean any type of movement you want. That could mean that you stand up and you just stretch out your body for a minute. That could mean that you take a walk around the block. That could mean that you get your heart rate up by doing like a really rigorous cleaning in your house. I don't care. That's why my whole thing is just move. My goal for you today 
is to set an intention to move for at least a minute every single day for the next week. And then we check in from there. And if you've done that for a good week or two weeks, then from there, I would love for you to pick some type of movement that you wanted to follow along because I think it's super important that you start to get educated about your body and how things feel in your body. It's why I, not, not just to shout out myself, I didn't ask Joel to ask this question, but it's why I started Start Moving. Because for me, I think there's so many people that have no idea where to begin in their movement journey. And often beginner movement is not actually beginner enough. So I started Start Moving just so I could help you with really simple, easy, even five minute workouts that get you to understand um, the foundations of movement and how things should feel in your body. Yeah, I think I think it's great. That it echoes kind of one of the things that stuck with me in my career at a, a strength coach in the NFL who, you know, can write the most intense programs, but he's, you know, when people are coming to me, he's like, it's too, it's too much. It's too overwhelming. So he created the, the SUDS protocol, which is show up, do something. Right. Yes. And uh, that, that's really all it starts with. And and I love nothing more. And I'm, you've seen it a ton in your career when people come to you, like, I feel great. And you're like, yeah, no, that should be your normal. Like you shouldn't yes. make noises when you wake up every day. You shouldn't have to, like, this doesn't have, like, this isn't extra. This is your baseline now. And from here, what's yes. next, you know? Yeah. Okay. And I love that. And this is goes back to tuning in with how you feel because so many people don't understand how shitty they feel in their body until they start moving and until they start being like, oh my gosh, I never knew that every single morning when I wake up, like that's how much pain I was in. But you don't know that until your new baseline changes and movement. Most often I hear people say I'm in pain, so I can't move yet. And the correction there is you're probably in pain. Unless you have an acute injury, you're probably in pain because you're not moving. And movement will actually literally start to grease those joints and help you get out of pain. So you can start, it's just about finding something that meets you where you're at so that you're starting in the right appropriate place for you. Yeah. And, and so often like your ability is significantly higher than your restrictions. Right. So it's always the weak link. Right. So you strengthen that and you're like, yeah, no, you can a hundred percent do that. You just are stopping early instead of trying to fix the problem. You're just like dealing with the side effects. Right. Yeah. So I love that message. Yes. And uh, kind of leads into our, our next question, which you touched on a little bit with your with your uh, toilet paper workout. And I didn't write this question, but it's pertainable to me. I'm on the road a lot. Uh, I'm often stuck trying to make do with hotel gyms. What do you recommend for those with minimal equipment? Okay, so my favorite way to move is body weight. So when people like, I think that you should open your mind to moving and using your own body weight as resistance. And I think one, it's really fun. You have to get really creative. Um, most often when I'm traveling, my body is probably a little bit stressed out. And the number one thing I go to is mobility. And I would say 99% of mobility workouts are done without weights anyways. Um, so the thing that I say to people is like, don't use, don't have weights or lack thereof as a restriction or something that holds you back. Use your body weight. There's a million things that you can do, whether you wanted a strength workout, a core workout, a recovery workout, a cardio workout, you can do it all with your body weight. That's or awesome. random equipment. <laughs> I'm like in a gym, you could use, or not in a gym, in a hotel room, you could use the couch, the chair, pillows. Yeah. Like there's so many different things that you can do to kind of spice things up a bit. Right. I think I've, I think I've done dips over every piece of hotel equipment <laughs> ever. Right. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Um, this one is, you know, something I think you get a lot and in, in a little bit, uh, 
you know, going back to some of the heavier stuff we talked about. Um, so the question is, my training sometimes feels like a chore or punishment. How do I reframe training to be yeah. enjoyable again? This is, this is so hard. So first I will say that this differs for everyone. So I can really only talk about myself. When my training, something that most often I find a lot of joy in doing, when it becomes a chore, I try to take a, a hard look at the rest of my life. And I look at if, if training is becoming somewhere that I'm really like not enjoying going to, there's probably other things in my life that are really stressing me out. I often tell people like your life is a pie. The pie is not growing any bigger. You can only slice it differently. So in seasons for me, when training is becoming really intense, or it's just, I'm just not finding that joy. I know that there's probably some other things in my life that are really stressing me out. And I try to look at removing those things so I can create more space for movement to bring more joy. But also sometimes I have found that it means I need to switch up my movements. Like I can get really in a pattern of doing the same thing over and over. I typically like strength training um, or like high intensity training. And sometimes when I'm not finding a lot of joy in it, it's because I need to do something different. I've gone and taken dance classes for a whole season. Like I literally think I did all summer one year. I tried to be a ballerina, it didn't go very well, but it, I, but switching it up was what I needed. Um, during the pandemic, this, the type of movement that I needed was mobility and recovery. And that put everything into so much more perspective of when I came back to strength training or a lot of the power stuff that I liked, I was like, I felt really different and good in my body. And I was really grateful to be back there and do that. So I, the number one thing I say is switch it up, like switch it up. And if that doesn't work, look at other things in your life that might be stressing you out. That means like movement is not kind of that safe space for you to go to anymore. Yeah, I love it. And I, I think as you, we talked about at the hotel, it, like exercise and movement doesn't happen only in gyms, right? Like you took a ballet class, there's rec leagues. It's a, you know, a walk with a podcast on like, it doesn't have to be like, oh, I didn't do my three sets of whatever. Like that's not a failure. You were just going to move somewhere else, right? So I, I love that kind of uh, perspective. Okay, Joel, but that brings up something. I've been having the biggest debate with my friend about setting goals. So I'm actually not really a goal person, especially in fitness, um, because it be creates this really negative dynamic within myself. I get super disappointed if I don't reach the goal, if I have a program and somehow I, sh I showed up that day and I just was like tired and I couldn't stick with the program. I'm super mad at myself. So also to some people, I say like, shake up your goals or just like cross them off the list. If my goal every single day is to figure out how to move and like, I can show up and say, what's going to feel good for me today then I'm okay with whatever that means. Then I'm okay with the fact that I, it meant I put on a podcast and walked around the block. I'm not upset that I didn't get my, you know, deadlift reps in. I'm like happy that I showed up and I took care of myself that day. So maybe also for a certain human being, whoever asked this question, like maybe it's also taking a look at your goals and trying to switch those up. Yeah, I think that's, uh, it's actually kind of uh, throwing a mirror back in my face. That's one of the things I've had to learn as I've grown is uh, my motivation changes in what, you know, what, is real for me and what's going to get me to, uh, all right, I'm glad I did that from, ugh, right. But for me, sometimes yeah. it's, it is the, okay, you know, it's, I said 21 days in a row, I'm at 15. I don't want to break the streak. Right. Sometimes that's the biggest motivator for me. Right. And sometimes yeah. it is just, okay, what's going to like, what do I need right now? Like, is it, you know, 40 minutes of letting someone else put new and interesting thoughts in my head from a podcast. And if I'm going to be doing that anyway, let's get some movement in there. Right. So yeah, I think yeah. it is, that is, that yeah. is definitely a, a self-reflection and, you know, being the CEO of me, you know, we had some, we had some years in the, in the, in the red, right. The company of Joel's doing, oh, yeah. doing well now. Right. So uh, good, <laughs> but it takes time. 
I think, yeah. And for us, like we've spent so much of our life in movement and especially like if you have an athletic background, you spend so much of your life with like goals and you had to get somewhere and you had to do something. And it's like, it's very interesting to have a new dynamic, like for me to have a different dynamic with my body. And one that just says, Hey, like whatever you want to do is cool. Like I'm here, no goals, like no, like end goal in mind. Like, let's just do what feels good. Like that's a very different thing, but it's been for the past, I would say like two and a half, three years, it's proven to be very successful. I would say I'm ultimately, you know, the happiest and some, I'm dealing with one little injury right now, but somewhat the healthiest that I've ever been because of that. Yeah. So that leads me into the next question, which is actually mine for you. Um, I always say to make a really big difference in uh, human performance, it's a really tough demand where you have to be both a professor and a coach, right? And, and you and I kind of both went with the, you know, we got our education, you know, we lived in the world but you don't really get taught how to be a coach. What are some of the learnings you've had along your way or like a light bulb moment of like, oh, I'm a coach. Motivation is a thing I have to teach. Oh gosh. I would say I... I would say really early on in my career, I was lucky. This is going to sound odd to say I was lucky to have had such deep, dark days with my depression that I knew when, when I got the opportunity to be a coach and be in front of people, I was in front of a lot of women, middle-aged women were my clients early on. I knew that my biggest goal actually wasn't to teach them the squat perfectly my biggest goal was to make sure that every single session they walked out of their session feeling happier and more empowered and you know just better about themselves and so that was always how i set my training sessions up i knew that the mental part was more important than the physical part i knew they were there like to get movement in but ultimately they were there like where else in your life do you get an hour that somebody pays attention to you and takes care of you so i would say early on i really honored that side of it ultimately at the end of the day i felt like i still feel like that's i'm actually stronger in that side than being a coach i'm always like i realize i'm never going to be the smartest coach in the room and i think my aha moment was when i went back to school to get my masters in sports performance i i really did it because I still felt so insecure about who I was as a coach and what I felt like was a lack of knowledge, but I was, I was viewing what a good coach would be like only from the lens of, a, did I know every single thing about the body? Um, I wasn't viewing it from, are my clients having a really good time? Am, am I having a positive impact on them? And maybe that positive impact is because one of the things that I'm really good at is helping them just, you know, feel better about themselves and have a positive time in those sessions and, you know, do fun and creative movement. And so my light bulb switch was actually when I graduated college and well, my master's. Um, and I was like, shit, I don't feel any better about who I am as a coach. I don't feel any smarter. And I realized like, I'm either going to walk out of this industry or I'm going to have a new perspective about what it means to be a coach. And so that's when I started wrapping my head around like my perspective, what it means for me to be a coach is to really show up as the best version of myself for every single person that I'm in front of. And when I show up as the best person, that means that I can be like a light to them. That means I can be a support system to them. That means that I'm gonna bring the best energy possible to them. Um, and I think that was like my biggest switch of realizing like a coach means so many different things, but ultimately it means like, how are you gonna show up in front of either one person or a group of people or a team of people and consistently bring the best version of yourself so that you can bring the best version of them out? Yeah, I think uh, I think the way I, I kind of I've, I've heard it explained to me that was kind of my aha moment is, 
like we're in the service industry, right? Our service is improving your mm-hmm. lives, helping you get to where you go, whatever that personal is, you know, and, and my, I can't just have a program and be like, well, this is what I want you to feel. It's, it's what do you want to feel? Okay. My job is to provide that service and get you there. Um, <clears throat> and one of the things I was oh, saying yeah. to, to, to younger people in the field is, you know, I'm an expert in my specific area because I've been asked more questions and had to answer them and I've made more mistakes than you. That's, the, that's the wisdom of age and, and experience, but it is really the, the mindset that I'm, I'll never be done. I'll never know enough. Right. And, and I don't have to, right. Like I build this team of super friends around me that, yeah. that can do it with me. Right. So, yeah. uh, I love that. I yeah. Love, I love but this. I think that's, that's an amazing piece of being a more seasoned, that's a nice way of putting more seasoned trainer these days is that our ego, I think in some sense becomes less and less because we start to understand where our circle is and like what we're allowed to navigate in. And like at an early, when I was an early trainer, like I thought I had to be like a nutritionist or a dietitian for everyone. I thought I had to be a physical therapist. I was so insecure and thinking like, I am not all these things. I don't have any of that knowledge. And now these days I'm like, this is exactly what I am. And if you need this, I send you out to them or I send you to them. But like, this is what I bring. This is what I can do. And I know that really, really well. Yeah. And that's, uh, it takes a long time to get there. Right. For sure. Um, yeah. Uh, and I, I love that. Yeah. I love that. I just love this conversation and we could continue having it for, for hours, but, Ever. uh, <laughs> right. We are, uh, we are running short on time. Um, so I'm going to end with, uh, you know, a pretty easy one. It's kind of a mix of, we always get these same mix of questions. So, uh, which I always find the hardest part for me when I'm on, in your chair, but what's your favorite exercise supplement and meal? Ah! <laughs> okay. My favorite exercise. Well, I love anything strength training. Like I would say, I mean, I love deadlift. I love Olympic lifting. I haven't done it in a while. So I, I like, there's nothing that compares to the feeling of like lifting or being under a ton of weight. Like I love that. I always have favorite supplement by far and away thorn recovery protein. Like, uh, it's my, and catalyte is a close second, but, um, just because I use them daily. And so it's like my go-to favorite meal. If you know me, you know that I eat anything and everything 24 seven. That's like impossible. Chicken and waffles, steak and mashed potato. Like I love everything. I would say chicken and waffles. If chicken and waffles is on a menu, I order it no matter what. So I would say that's like one of my favorites. Yeah, we all have those like, okay, I'm on the road. All right, if you're going to if you're going to put it on the menu, you know it's going to be good, right? So, uh yeah, no nobody puts yes. a subpar yeah. chicken and waffles on the menu. I love that. All right. Amen. So, last question, uh what's next for Kaisa? This is a big question. I mean, because my goal, I have my north star of, you know, trying to get the world to move, and I think the biggest goal is being able to create movement for everyone on our platform. So, Just Move is the original platform that all of my online workouts were located. Um, But as of this past Friday, we launched Start Moving, which is another app just because we really felt like the person that's just starting their movement journey deserves to have something that is solely them. They belong in a community um, of other like-minded movers. And so that is brand new. And that's kind of where a lot of my energy is going right now. But yeah, the goal is to get the world moving. So it's just going to be a constant evolution of trying to figure out how to do that. All right. Well, that's all the time we have. But uh, Kaisa, where can our listeners keep up with you, learn more of your amazing message and kind of follow your journey? Yeah. Well, if you're on social media, you can find me on any platform at KaisaFit. Um, and then if you would love to move with me, you can go to justmove.com or startmoving.com. And that is where I have all of my workouts. All right. Well, excellent. It's all the time we have. That was uh, movement coach and all around rock star, Kaisa Cranin. Thanks everybody for listening. 
Thanks for listening to the Thorn Podcast Performance Edition. Make sure to never miss an episode by subscribing to the show on your podcast app of choice. You can also learn more about the topics we discussed by visiting thorn.com and checking out the latest news, videos, and stories on Thorn's Take 5 Daily blog. For this performance edition of the Thorn Podcast, I'm Joel Totoro, reminding everyone to stay active and stay hydrated.